0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at orico 99 And also be sure to check out the Ethos Fantasy BB page. That's where we post out all of our different podcasts and articles, different links that are coming out. We've had a lot of activity in our draft guide overnight. Four new articles have been posted, and there's a couple other ones that are going to be up later today. So make sure you're checking that out at SportsEthos.com. And also, like I said, go follow Ethos Fantasy BB. Get everything for you in your feed there. And we're doing another team preview today. We've been doing a lot of them recently, trying to get them in before we really, I mean, I know draft season's underway, but trying to get as many of them in as we possibly can before you guys really, truly start drafting. And we're doing a very fun, exciting team today, in my opinion. I know some people view it differently depending on how the team spends and whatnot. And I don't know, this team doesn't spend a lot of money, but they've got a very exciting roster and we have a very exciting guest here to join us as well dave mcdonald how are you doing today man i'm
1: great joe thanks so much for having me on uh i it's it's wonderful out here in cleveland it's like 65 degrees i'm loving it uh it feels like i mean we this is what we call fool's uh spring here because we know better than to get tricked in because it, it'll be like 20 degrees tomorrow but um, just enjoying it while we've got it uh looking forward to going to chicago this weekend To do our Glarf draft. Um, Really excited about everything going on with Earth. I got the title belts in that I'm presenting. So, uh, yeah, having a good time over here, getting ready for drafts, and uh, excited to talk some Guardians with you today, man.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. I'm going to be in the Earth Leagues for the first time this year. I'm in the Canadian. Hell yeah.
1: I didn't know that. That's awesome. Which uh, are you in surf?
0: I'm in surf, yeah.
1: Awesome. That's great. We're doing
0: March 11th, I want to say, March 10th or 11th, whatever the Saturday is on that weekend. uh, We're going to be going out. To Hamilton. I don't know if many of the American viewers will know Hamilton, but if anybody's in Toronto and Canada, <laughs> uh, you guys probably know little Hamilton, close to Toronto here. We're gonna be sitting in some kind of warehouse or something. I'm not even sure what they what the guys have said up there. <laughs> Ryan, the commissioner, has figured it all out. But that should be a lot of fun as we get into draft season. Uh it's just gonna start really coming up on us what we're drafting constantly. Right now I'm in a couple of different slow drafts, uh, but come a week from now or so I'm probably gonna be doing Three or four drafts at any given time, at least. Uh, Dave, before we get started here, why don't you just yeah. let everybody know where they can find you and what it is you got going on right now?
1: Yeah, you can find me at Run D on Twitter, uh, like Run DMC the music group. But then make sure you add that D at the end because i I get a lot of people who tweet at me about Run DMC the music group, um, and I and I do appreciate the shout outs, but uh, it is it is not. Uh, I am not the musical group, so. <laughs> um and then uh i'm on friends with fancy benefits every monday night at 10 with uh justin mason and um i'm hoping my old broad, uh podcast partner jake halisker will want to get back into high stakes heat this year uh but uh, he's just a lazy bum so we'll see but other than that i'm just preparing for my high stakes drafts and uh that's that's what i've got going on right now
0: Yeah, I'm just getting ready for, I'm trying to get all my rankings out and trying to get completely ready for the season here. And doing TGFBI today, I actually took a member of the Cleveland Guardians. We'll talk about that when we get to him in the lineup. We're going to start right from the top if you guys want to follow along on Roster Resource. And we're going to start with one of my favorite players who really came out of nowhere and became one of my favorite players last season. Helped a lot of my fantasy teams, and that was Stephen Kwan. You know, a lot of people are comparing him to Luis Rise last season from a fantasy point of view. I think he actually surpassed Luis Rise in terms of his output for stolen bases, and I think he actually ended up as a, as a superior player on the player rater by the end of the season. I love him. I'm going to be trying to draft him wherever I can. I think the price is pretty reasonable. But, Dave, what are your thoughts on Stephen Kwan for this season?
1: Yeah, he's a guy who um, – he was he was always like that low – ceiling high floor kind of prospect but uh he's exactly the kind of guy that the that the guardians love to develop it's those guys who have really elite plate patience you know they don't strike out they put the ball in play um you know this he's not going to jump out at you and stat cast but uh you know the guy has he's he's a legit hitter who can get a i mean he can he can lead the league in average no no question um you know, he hit 298 last year. I'd be shocked if he hit below 300 this year. Uh, I don't care what projections are saying. Um, I've watched this guy. He does not – I think he, he saw like 150 pitches or something before he finally swung and missed at his first pitch last year. Like, he was insane. Um, the, the guy just knows how to put the bat on the ball. Uh, but what's more exciting, I think, is that in the second half, I think he had like 14 out of his 19 steals or something like that. Like, you know, this is a team that is not – the Guardians don't play, hit the long ball. You know, they they signed Josh Bell, so hopefully we get some power from him. But really, this is a team that gets on base and runs. So um, you know, they're they're the odds on favorite to win the AL Central, and uh I'm I'm hoping that Quan will be a big part of that, and I'm hoping that they give him the green light to run.
0: Just looking at the different projections, I'm looking at ATC right now. You got three guys projected for 20 steals, and Quan isn't even one of them, and neither is Ahmed Rosario. There's a lot of speed. Uh, On this team, those guys are Ramirez, Andres Jimenez, and Miles Straw. In terms of the power, you know, Jose Ramirez is going to probably be a 30 home run guy. And then, you know, Josh Bell and Josh Naylor, probably the only guys that you're going to see get over 20. Maybe Jimenez can get there possibly. But this team is built to, like you said, uh, get on base and steal and, and Quan you know, I, I, there's something I love. There's somebody who walks more than they strike out. And Quan had a 9.7% walk rate and a 9.4% strikeout rate. And if, like, if you're just talking about the raw numbers here, he struck out 60 times last year in 147 games. It's just absurd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's somebody, for sure, if you're talking, like, an OBP league, his value is is crazy high. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much higher I would want to take with an OBP league, but he'd be close to, like, a top 100 pick, I think. If you're looking at the recent NFBC drafts, he's going, well, let me just take a look here, uh, about pick 120. I think that that's pretty reasonable considering what you're going to get out of him. Do you think we, there's any chance that we could see like 20 plus steals from him or is that asking a little bit too much?
1: I, You know, he he can. It's just whether they give him the green light to. I, I think this year with the new rules, I think he's exactly the kind of person who you're going to see run more this year. I mean, um, I don't know why they wouldn't. Frankly, I mean, there's just there's just uh, that's how they're going to score runs. And I mean, he was 19 of 24 last year. Uh, pretty good, pretty good percentage there. Um, I would expect him to run. I would expect him to have over 20 steals. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm definitely hoping for it. Uh, moving on though to the next guy in the lineup, another guy that I really like. And that's that's the thing with this team. Like I said off the top, like they don't spend a lot of money necessarily. They've got a lot of good young players, and especially if you're looking from a fantasy point of view. Like this next guy I'm very interested in, and that's Ahmed Rosario. Last season, 11 homers, 18 steals. He batted 283. It was pretty much exactly the same thing that he did in 2021. He added a couple more steals, but the batting average was the same. The homers were the same. Are you expecting more of the same from Rosario this season?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm basically, you know, when I draft him, I'm expecting 10 to 12 homers. Uh, he actually does have a little bit more pop in that bat, I think, but – I don't know if you're going to – I don't know if it's going to project on the field, but a lot of people say they watch him in batting practice and he crushes the ball. So, um, you know, a lot of the locals talk about that, the guys on the team. I don't know if if you're going to see that side of him or not, but, again, he's another guy. You know, he's 18 of 22 on steals last year with the new rules. He's another guy. I expect to be over 20 steals again, Um, and he's a high-average guy. He's a 280, 290 hitter kind of guy, so – yeah, if you're looking for a well-rounded player who's not going to be a negative in any category, he's he's the prototypical, prototypical guy. He's going to help you in runs, RBIs, steals, um, and he won't hurt you in homers either. So, um, yeah, I, I in average. So I, I think he's kind of uh, the, that guy who helps all around.
0: There's, <clears throat> there's a few guys. Like Quan is a similar boat, even though he doesn't help you so much with home runs. He's not really going to hurt you. I mean, he's projected for like 7 to 10, depending on where you look, somewhere in that range. Rosario, you know, Oscar Gonzalez, kind of the similar thing, maybe not so many steals, but there's a lot of guys on this team who aren't gonna hurt you from a fantasy point of view. And that's the thing with a lot of players that you look at drafting, you know, the first one that comes to mind is like a Joey Gallo type or someone like players who have certain skill sets that are definitely gonna help you, but they're also certainly gonna hurt you in other areas. Rosario and a lot of guys we're gonna talk about today, they're not gonna hurt you. They they really aren't. And I do think that the price, again, is very reasonable going in the same range as Stephen Kwan, just a couple picks ahead of him about uh, 118 and I think that that's that's totally fair um, going to the most exciting player in this lineup now Jose Ramirez now I'm not going to ask you what your thoughts are because I think everybody's thoughts are fairly similar that he is pretty elite unless you have something you know contrary to that but I guess I'm going to ask you would you be willing to take him with the one zero one this season
1: yeah um, I definitely would it and I don't I do think that Julio and Acuna are probably going to put up slightly better numbers but i think when you take into consideration how much of a wasteland third base is if you don't take one early uh i i really really and i and i I hear people talking about you know the the outfield depth i haven't found it to be an issue um i think that there is enough depth in the outfield i i know it might be more of an issue than previous years but i would much rather get lock up my third base early with jose uh i would take him one one for sure and the thing is don't worry about last year he was playing with a torn ligament in his thumb for literally like two-thirds of the season so and he still put up the season he did he still put up 29 homers 20 steals so I a hundred percent think he's the guy who's gonna hit 30 plus homers with you know probably 25 steals i would say um and a solid average so uh yeah'm I'm, I'm all about taking jose 1-1 because I want to get that third
0: base locked up I'm totally there with you, whether it's Jose or somebody else like, and, you know, just talking about TGFBI, I took Austin Riley in the second round because third base just really does suck. And if you look at outfield, it's not great, but I can, you know, I could probably name 50 outfielders that I'd be pretty comfortable with this season, maybe 60, you know, looking at the ADP board, Masataka Yoshida is the 50th outfielder off the board. Uh, You go farther down, you got guys like Jesse Winker, Jock Peterson, like they're not the greatest players, but you know, still guys that are totally fine to plot into your lineup. And we're looking around like 250 ADP. If you're looking at third baseman around 250 ADP, you're not <laughs> going to find anybody that you're going to be very interested in. You'd have to be very lucky, and maybe you know you stick a DJ Lemayhew in there, or Andy Diaz, or Rendon, or somebody. But I am totally with you there. Get rid of third base very quickly from your from your draft uh, from your draft needs. I and- mean,
1: even down to like the 80s, uh, like like the 82nd outfielder off the board. Is Oswaldo Cabrera uh, 81st? Is Edward Olivares? I love those guys. Like I don't mind getting guys like that to fill fill in my like last spot or two in the outfield at all. Jared Kalenic, you can get a pick 281. I mean, you know, there's just Lane Thomas 313. There's there's so much value there that, like you said, you just can't find a third base.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now this next one is I'm going to give you kind of like a joint question here. Jo- okay. Josh is together. Josh Bell and Josh Naylor. Do you think Josh Bell is going to eat into Naylor's playing time at all against left-handed pitching? Like, how do you expect that DH first base split to to kind of work? The projections: Josh Bell's called for 142 games. Josh Naylor about 130. How do you expect it to to shape up?
1: Oh man, Um, I mean, I definitely know that they're going to sit Naylor against against lefties. I don't know if it's going to be all lefties or just like some slash most lefties, but he he certainly will sit against, uh, against lefties. So um, I don't know if it's Josh Bell eating into the playing time or if it's, you know, depending on how you look at it. Um, but yeah, like, cause, cause Naylor can play some outfield too. So they could, they could move guys around a little bit. Um, but they, they love Miles Straw so much defensively that as much as I want to see them kind of make you know have a have a lineup where they put maybe kwan in center field is because he's so good defensively um and and bench straw and put naylor in a corner spot i don't know if they're going to do that because this is this is a team that has always been all about defense at, at three positions uh shortstop center field and catcher now they've kind of they've kind of been more lax with shortstop with with unmed rosario But they're still always defense first and center field and catcher. So I, and I don't know if they feel like Juan just can't cover center field the same way because Straw is just so good defensively there that I think that that's really what it comes down to. But I I do think of Josh Naylor more or less as maybe like a a platoon plus kind of guy. Like he'll, he'll face all the righties and he'll face maybe some lefties. Some, I feel like they might have sent him versus the tough lefties and then. You know, so something like every other lefty or something they'll they'll bench him versus, I I believe is what they did last year.
0: I would expect more of the same this year. Looking at the splits from last season, it might actually help his fantasy value as weird as it might sound if he didn't play at all against lefties, because he had 115 yeah. games against righties. He had 19 of his home runs and batted 283. Versus lefties, it was 67 games. He had one home run and batted 173. So even though you're losing maybe a little bit of the volume stats, you're going to help your batting average. And I don't even think you really really will lose much volume there. Like, you know, in those 67 games, he had 11 RBIs. He scored four runs in 67 games against lefties. So, you know... It might actually, you know, if there is some kind of platoon, we won't really know this until the season starts, but there might be some people who get kind of worried about him, about his outlook, maybe even before the season. They'll look at that and they'll say maybe he will lose some at-bats and push him down their draft boards, but I really don't think it it would hurt his value that much. And if people want to push him down, he's already going outside of the top 200. I'm just looking at the most recent few drafts here. I already like the price as it is. I'm kind of hoping he does get pushed down. I hope he, let's let's start that narrative, Dave. Let's start that narrative yeah. that Josh Naylor's not going to be playing that much and get the price a little bit nicer on him. uh Fellow Canadian, I'm I'm enamored with both Naylor's really, um and I guess that's I mean, kind of an easy. Yeah, he,
1: uh, he's guy who doesn't strike out a ton. You know, Naylor only has 16% K rate, and he hits the ball hard. 42.5% hard hit rate, like. You know, 113 max EV. Um, he can he can get it out there. He's got he's got the power and the contact. He's a guy you want to be putting in your lineup versus uh versus righties. And I think he's he's a little underrated, but his ADP is not as low, honestly, as I thought it would be. I actually thought his ADP would be lower than what it is, but I do think that he's the kind of guy who falls in drafts sometimes. So if you can if you can scoop him up, yeah, he's going two thirty-five overall, which is not you know, that's that's actually a decent price so uh i i'm in at that at that cost honestly
0: yeah i i am i'm totally there if you're in a daily changes league you know if you're playing like a yahoo daily changes i know you're playing some yahoo i Uh, actually i heard that heard that episode you guys did recently talking about yahoo it was very good very informative you guys you guys should go check it out on the friends with Fantasy benefits feed if you haven't already Uh, a few episodes down the line there but you guys you guys should be able to find it if you are playing in a daily changes league and you have Josh Naylor, you play him against all righties, then you're golden. And then you can yep. you know, have some replay, especially in most of those leagues, 10 and 12 teamers. There's tons of replacement value. You got free to pick
1: up head too. Head. like no like no one else is competing with you really for guys like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you're still going to get him for the for the vast majority of the games. He's going to play, you know, all the time against righties and most pitchers are right handed. So there's no real need to worry about losing playing time, even though that might be something that I it was in my initial worry when they signed Josh Bell was that Josh Naylor is going to suffer, but I don't think he will as much as I might've thought. So before. Yeah. Um, now the guy expected to be sandwiched between the two Joshes in the lineup is the guy I actually took uh, just half an hour or so ago in the TGFBI draft. I think it was 84th overall, 85th overall Andres Jimenez. I, I like the security I'm getting both from the power side and from the stolen base side. I think he's another guy who doesn't hurt you really anywhere. Uh, where are you at right now on Andres Jimenez?
1: Yeah, I like him. He's uh, – I think he's he's not a guy I'm going to probably end up with in drafts uh, just because, like, I think he – he's a solid player, don't get me wrong, but he goes, like, 83. I kind of think of him as pretty similar to Ahmed Rosario. Um, I think they're going to steal similar amount of bases. Um, I, I think Jimenez, honestly, his I – th- I expect his average to drop um, – I don't expect him to be close to a 300 hitter again. I think you know Rosario's uh, average foundation is is much better. Um, I'm expecting maybe like 265, maybe 270 from Andres Jimenez. Uh I, I don't think you're going to see any more home runs. I think you know 17 is probably about what you should expect. Uh, 20 steals. You know he could he could he could run. He's another guy. He was 20 of 23 running last year. So. Uh, he's another guy who, with the new rules, I think you could see run a little bit more too. 25 steals, maybe, um, maybe even up to 30. I mean, this is a guy who who ran a lot in the minors. So, uh, you know, that wouldn't shock me to see that. Uh, I do like him and I love the fact that it's, he's a second baseman because second base, as much as people talk about third base, I think second base is real tough to fill. Um, and it seems like a lot of guys get pushed up needlessly just because of the fact that they're second baseman. So um, yeah, I, I like Jimenez, uh, the draft cost is a little steep, but you're, like you said, you're getting a guy who's not hurting you in any categories and is helping you in several. Um, I wish he hit a little higher in the lineup. That's, that's really the, that's the main gripe.
0: For me, uh, the difference with him and Rosario is like you said, the second base eligibility and just seeing like, yeah. we kind of had a run of second baseman go off the board. Uh, the only guys that are left right now, I'm looking at, you got Max Muncy. I could have waited on Polanco and Brandon Lau and, and those kind of guys, I'm I'm still learning uh, the way that 15-teamers work. I've been a 12-team guy for most of my life, and it's very tricky to try and figure out where you're not going to be lacking by the end of a draft because you're going to be lacking somewhere. Um, right. And I just wanted to secure second and third base, and I'm still kind of lacking in some other areas. Um, but I did want to secure second and third base fairly early because they are they are bad. I think second might be a little better in terms of speculating later on um i think it's a little more balanced across the board where with third i think it's more top heavy but i didn't want to come out of the top 100 and still need those positions as much as there's still other positions i'm lacking and i still need outfielders and and a couple other spots but second base second base is tricky and i think a guy like jimenez he is definitely if you just take away all positions if you're just looking at a draft board of the top you know however many players jimenez is not going to be 84th it does come down to that eligibility so uh, it's a tricky one. I'm looking back on it. I think I would make the choice again. I didn't really leave anybody on the board that I love still. So I'll, I'll take it. Um moving on. And, you
1: know. and uh, sorry, real quick. That's, oh, go ahead, go ahead. that's one of my rules is if I don't love someone on the board, I want to fill a position that's tough to fill. I usually it'll be like catcher or closer or something like that. But like you said, second base is one of those positions this year. So I, I think that was a good call. Um, you know, if you, if you don't have a guy that you're targeting at that spot that you love, then, yeah, take something that's that's at least helping you down the line. You're not going to have to worry about it anymore.
0: Yeah, I took Hater pretty early. I have a closer. I still need catchers. But second base, I, I did want to take care of. And with Jimenez, I, you know, you're probably right about the average. Of the projections do think it'll come down. 30, 35 points, but even if he's a 265 hitter with you know 15 to 20 homers and 25 steals... Yeah, uh, very very useful, for sure. I'll, I'll take that, even if it's not quite 25 steals, even if it's 20 or so, uh, I'll totally take that. And the next guy, I think this guy is very interesting, and I think the price is very interesting as well, Oscar Gonzalez. Um, you know, he, he hit a couple big home runs in the playoffs. He's, he's the Spongebob guy, right? There's, he's the guy they call Spongebob?
1: Yeah, he comes up to Spongebob Squarepants theme song, uh, which... I fucking hate, (laughs) but my (laughs) friends love it. And they, they, uh, they get on my case every time it comes out. I'm like, Oh God, here we go. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it definitely stands out. I'll say that.
0: (laughs) What are your thoughts on him as a player? I mean, the walk rate's a little bit low, but in terms of like, you know, he batted two ninety-six over 91 games, he had 11 homers. uh, It was a pretty good cup of coffee. Uh, what do you think he's going to do in 2023?
1: Yeah. Um, I'll be honest with you. He's the toughest one for me to, to kind of figure out. Um, and I was hoping his price tag would be uh, a little lower than what it is. Like he's going around, like he's going to the top 200, which is not, you know, terrible or anything. It's just, there's, there's a lot of guys around him that I feel better about. Um, I do like him though. He was a guy coming up through the minors. I, I, I don't follow the minors in general, but I do follow the guardians minors very closely. Uh, you know, he hit 31 homers in 2021 in the minors. So, uh, and that was like 500 at bats between double A AA and triple A. And, you know, he's he's a guy who um, he did strike out more when he hit the – when he got into A, But then he came up to the majors and he struck out less than 20%. So, uh, you know, 382 plate appearances is a pretty decent sample size. So I'm excited about that, the fact that he's not he's not swinging and missing a ton. Although his swinging strike rate was 14.3%. So I do feel like that strikeout rate might go up a bit. Uh, but I think it also depends on whether he's – gonna try to keep hitting for a higher average or if he's gonna go for more power because it felt like maybe last year he was holding something back a little bit because this is a guy who you know seemed like he could hit 25 plus homers so uh but that's uh i i do feel like last year he looked like maybe a 20 homer guy i think in the future he could be a 30 homer guy uh it just depends on whether he wants to use that power or if he wants to make more contact but The big problem with him is he hits too many ground balls, and he's got like a 5.4 launch angle, you know, 51% ground ball rate. If he can kind of – but he's always been that way. Like he's always been a big ground ball hitter through the minors, so I don't know that we can expect a lot of change there. But, you know, 113 max EV, he's got the power. It's just that he doesn't access it as much as you'd think
0: he does have the power and the projections are kind of not really sure where the power is going to be exactly like the yeah. bad X has them for 11 homers. You know, yeah. <laughs> Zips has them for 21 though. Zips has them for 21. And there's kind of a couple projections in the middle ATC at 16. There's kind of a wide range. I think the, the people who make the projections still and the computers, I guess the numbers are really not sure what to make of him yet, but uh, potentially easily a 20 home run guy. I think even though you know, he doesn't help you so much in terms of, and it's kind of a common theme here down the lineup, the run totals. We saw with Josh Naylor last year, the guys at the bottom of the order or even middle of the order. I think Josh Naylor had 47 runs or something. So he might not have a ton of runs, but should be a decent source of homers, homers and batting average at the very least. And, you know, the price is actually a little bit higher than I thought it was. I thought he was going outside the top 200 still at 181. I would tend to agree with you there. I have to kind of retract what I said about liking the price. It's a little bit pricey, probably. I would probably still pay it, uh, but it really depends on who's still there uh, in that range. Let me just take a look at who else is in that range right now. And I think, for the most part, I mean, Brandon Nimmo, Lars Nubar is going right around him. There are guys that I that I do like. So I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cross them off at this price. It's maybe a little bit steeper than I than I'd love to be paying. And put it that way.
1: Yeah there's uh so I know that Joy Munacis is going right around him I I'm very into Joy Munacis this year uh you know they're both going right around pick 200 so just in terms of straight up outfielder for outfielder plus Munacis has the the first base eligibility on ta- on top as well um yeah I don't know I just I, it's it's hard for me to see Oscar hitting more than 25 homers. I will take the over on 11 though. So yeah. um and listen, if we can get if we can get 20 to 25 homers with a 270 to 280 average, we're ha- we're happy with that. You know, it's not bad. It's just uh you know, he doesn't run, so there's there's not that he should probably hit 5th or 6th in the lineup, I'm guessing now, maybe 6th now because uh with with Josh Bell there now. Yeah, so that's 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 another thing where his runs will probably uh, lag a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, they have him projected, I think, as the seven hole hitter right now. I think, but six or seven, wherever he is. If you're getting twenty five home runs out of somebody in the bottom third or bottom four four, uh, in the lineup, you know, right now they have it: Quan Rosario, Ramirez, Bell, Jimenez uh naylor and then gonzalez you, yeah you i guess that that, push yeah him that
1: makes yeah no that makes sense probably um and then obviously he could probably move up versus uh lefties when naylor sits yeah um, yeah and then usually I think they they move some other guys around as well versus lefties I want to say is quan still
0: stay at the top against lefties?
1: Um yes quan hits at the top every game he starts um I think Maybe Jimenez moves around a bit sometimes against lefties. Yeah, it looks like sometimes he moves up. Uh yeah, I don't know. I it's seven seven hole might be what it, what he's looking at honestly with the uh, with the addition of Bell. So yeah, uh, you know you think about a guy hitting seventh power. I don't know um, a lot of ground balls, solid average, but you're not really getting those counting stats in that case.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm there with you. Let's move on though. Let's talk about catcher, and I think the catcher situation is. It's interesting. <laughs> I was expecting Bo Naylor to, to be given a shot this year, and then they signed Mike Zanino. Oh. What, what are your thoughts on how they're going to assign playing time? I'd very much like it to just be Naylor, because Zanino is, is very boring from a fantasy point of view. He's going to yeah. give you some, some cheap home runs, I guess. That's pretty much it. Naylor seemed ready in the minors. Now, he only played five games in the majors, and it was not the greatest small sample size. Again, eight plate Peter eight plate appearances. So nothing you can really take with you, uh, but he seemed ready from his time in the minor leagues. Do you think they're going to give him a chance this year? Um, I, I
1: do think he'll get a chance this year. I, I hear this a lot from, from non Clevelanders. We know better <laughs> with just in terms of the fact that we know that the guardians are never going to start with like a rookie randomly in there at a position like catcher. That's so important from a game calling perspective and defensively, like the guardians are huge on defensive catcher. So, they're going to want to make sure that Bo is a hundred percent, 110% ready to come up and like lead this pitching staff because this team is going to uh, win and lose by their, by their starting pitching. Pretty much Um, the offense is hopefully going to be good enough to win games, but it's going to be those starters that really uh, drive them forward in their bullpen. So they're going to make sure that they have the right catching units in place. And, they love Zunino's defense. So, you know, it's again, like you said, he's, he's not a, he's not an exciting option. Like Bo Naylor is um, from a, from a fantasy standpoint. Um, I do expect Bo Naylor to be up at some point. I would not, he's not a guy who I would be drafting uh, unless you're talking about like a draft champions league where you can hold guys uh, and, you know, wait for them to get called up. I think he'll probably get called up Know it'll be it'll be dependent on how he does, but June maybe at the earliest, I would say. Uh and you know, I'm no I'm no expert with with that kind of thing, but uh that's just I I feel like they're gonna they sign Zanino for a reason. I think they want to give him the majority of the run there, and they're not gonna bring up Bo Naylor to be like a part-time like when they bring Bo up, I think it'll either be for a cup of coffee because they're doing well. And they don't need him, or it'll be because, hey, we really need him and, and Zanino's not cutting it and we're ready to we're ready to completely hand over the reins. And I don't
0: think that'll be until June at the earliest. It sucks. I really wish that he'd be up. I'm a big fan no, of the no. Nailers. <laughs> big fan of the Nailers. I saw Josh play uh, way back in the day uh, for the Ontario Blue Jays. And Bo I never forgot to see play, but I wish I wish I did. Looking at his stat line, like he looks like he's gonna be a very exciting player in the majors. He could be one of the best catchers in fantasy in a couple seasons as a guy who can hit for a decent average. Not not going to blow you away there, but yeah. double-digit steal potential from a catcher with good power 20, 20
1: threat. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, um, you know, the guys this year who are the stolen base threats behind the plate are Real Mudo and Varsho, and they're going 1-2 in terms of catchers pretty much every single time. So Bo Naylor is a top three or five fantasy catcher in the next couple of years. I, I could definitely see it. It's not going to happen this year. Um, but you know, he's kind of interesting and you know, the projections again, kind of disagree on him, depending on where you look zips is the high man in terms of games played and everything else. They think he's going to play 116 games. I don't know that we're going to get there. The other ones are more in the fifties and 60 range, but man, if he does get to that 116 games, the projections are 14 homers and nine steals. So I agree with you in a draft champions, if he's your third or fourth catcher. I think you could be cooking with gas at some point during the season for sure. And for sure in dynasty, like I'm not the biggest dynasty player, but he's got to be, I'm not. I'm not sure what the market is generally in dynasty, but I'd be trying to buy him up for sure. Like he's, especially because it didn't go the greatest in his first couple of big league games. He struck out. He had eight at bats. He struck out five times. So <laughs> may, maybe some people will see that, and you know I doubt many people will read too much into it. But hell, maybe you have some small buying opportunity, especially considering he might not even start the year in the big. So definitely somebody to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, any other thoughts on Naylor before we before we move it on?
1: No, I think you. I think you said it pretty succinctly.
0: The last guy in the lineup is somebody who I was interested in last season. He made a fool out of me and out of many people, and that is Miles Straw. We were all <laughs> expecting another big season from him with steals and good batting average, and it was, to say the least, it was a tough year for people who who spent a high draft pick on Miles Straw. He played almost every game. He did not manage to hit a home run. Uh, he did steal twenty one bases, but that was kind of down from what we were expecting. Do you have any interest in drafting Miles Straw this year? No, <laughs> no,
1: I didn't, uh, didn't have, I, I drafted him in, um, in, I went to first pitch Arizona last year and I, I drafted him and it was like, you know, this was like, uh, October literally drafting in October. So, um, that was li- literally the only time I was willing to draft miles straw. So, <laughs> uh, he fell to like the 11th round and I didn't, I needed some steals and that was it. So I don't have any, I, I mean, he, I think he's going to play. Um, unless he's hit so poorly that he he gets taken out of the lineup, but uh, even though he did close the season hitting better, I think a lot of that was just kind of bad luck compared to Babip bad luck before. I think the truth kind of lies in the middle. I think he is what he is, and uh, I just I don't roster guys like that. I get my steals from legitimate hitters who also <laughs> steal bases, so I just don't think there's much room for him uh, outside of super deep leagues.
0: Yeah, he's another John Birdie. Essentially, I know John Birdie was very sexy for a while this season, but they're they're essentially the same dude for fantasy. Um, now that's the starting lineup. Do you have any interest in Will Brennan? Uh, I know a, I've heard a lot of people I know who I respect in the prospect world talking him up. Uh, do you think he's going to have a role this year? Do you have any interest in him at all?
1: I do. I I'm a big Will Brennan fan. I think he's uh, a lot like kind of uh, a young Michael Brantley kind of guy. Um, I, I don't know that he's gonna get the playing time. He's a guy who I'd be looking to draft in, in DC's because I think at some point you're gonna have injuries and whatnot open up spots for him. I think he's I think he's that next guy in line outside of the starters who I mean he's gonna start some games, you know, like they're not gonna play the same guys every day, but he's also not gonna be worth you know drafting to hold in like a typical standard uh year-long league. But he is a guy who I have interest in 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 dynasty in dc's uh you know like i said when there's injuries i think he's gonna get some regular playing time he's definitely interesting to me he's uh he's gonna be a high average kind of guy um he doesn't have a ton of power but he's uh you know he can he can run a little bit and uh yeah i just i really love his approach so uh you know he stole between double a triple a in the majors last year he stole uh 22 bases so and he hit Hit 14 homers. So, you know, he can kind of be that 15-15, 15-20 kind of guy eventually when he gets full playing
0: time. It'd be nice if he did take over for Straw. I guess Straw's defense will probably keep him in the lineup there. Uh, Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen,
1: but it would be nice.
0: (laughs) It would be nice. I think Brennan can play center field. I think he's more of a corner guy. Uh, You'd probably know better, but I think he is capable of playing center. Um, Uh, He has
1: yeah he has played center throughout his uh, like that's his main position in the market okay. so okay
0: yeah uh, that shows what i know about prospects that's why you do not listen to me in terms of dynasty and prospect <laughs> stuff. uh we're, we're strictly redraft here the
1: only part. team i know joe yeah. this is the only team i know any other team i i, I have no idea
0: <laughs> yeah there's there's you know double a and single a players for the blue jays that i, I could tell you some things about and then if you talk about any other team uh, i'm totally there with you i'm not yeah. uh, very well versed in terms of prospects you got certain people in the industry who are so great and they can mention some random guy in high a and what he did last uh, too much too much to keep an eye on just in terms of the major leagues for they're me they're probably getting
1: paid to know that stuff though so <laughs> you know cross and clegg and james anderson and all them
0: so yeah yeah you're not wrong uh, those guys are great they know what they're talking they about are. We'll, leave, we'll leave that to them we'll leave yeah. those conversations to them oh by the
1: way i we kind of skipped over josh bell i don't know if you wanted to touch on him as well we did
0: yeah maybe. yeah we did we kind of you know combine the josh conversation but yeah josh bell what are your thoughts on bell exactly i kind of just framed it from uh would he take away josh Naylor's playing time <laughs> point of view, but in terms of just what josh bell can do he hit a massive home run yesterday the day before uh yeah. where, where are you at right now on him
1: well i think if you if you kind of ignore the super happy fun ball 2019 josh bell where he hit 37 homers i think you can kind of see like he's like a, a high 20s home runs guy and you know i think you know with like a 265 maybe kind of average um you know he's not going to hurt you like some of those other guys i i think the projections are way low on his home runs i see a lot of like 17 to 20 projections steamers the high one at 22 i'll take the over on that um i think he's going to hit 25 to 30 i think he's going to hit 260 to 270 and uh i think he's going to be he's going to be a force in the middle of that lineup and i i love the signing i mean i was i was very happy i wish it was a legit two year deal because basically it's like a one year deal where if he does remotely good, he's gonna he's gonna skip out of the second yeah, year. So that yeah. sucks. But um, you know, Guardians fans kind of know just to take it year year to year. You know, we know um, we're never gonna spend the big bucks. It's just gonna be you know competing in that year and the next year we'll figure it out all over again. So um, I'm hoping he can uh, I'm hoping he can help lead us to back through the playoffs again and this time maybe get a little further.
0: You know, people like to shit on Cleveland because they don't spend a lot of money, but this lineup as constructed is very solid. It really is. One through seven is is very good. Zanino and Straw are kind of whatever. They're they're more for their defense. But even Zanino can give you 20 homers. Straw, Straw can give you like 20 steals. There is certain value there. I don't think they're great players necessarily, but the top seven in that lineup it's a lot of fun at the, at the very least. It's a fun lineup, and like you said at, off the top, like they should win this division again. Maybe the White Sox bounce back, and they should bounce back a little bit. It was very disappointing, but it'll be either the Guardians or the White Sox, I think. And, and Cleveland, you know, if their pitching staff can do what we were, we're hoping for them to do, uh, they they should be able to pull through in that division. And, and Cleveland's pitching, you know this better than I know this. Uh, one of the better teams at developing pitchers across baseball. Uh, what are your thoughts overall in terms of this rotation of Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill, Savale, and Zach? Please, Zach. I guess start at the top.
1: Yeah, I mean Bieber is a guy I have a lot of faith in. Um, I will say I was concerned last year with the shoulder injury and then the the velocity decline. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about. I mean, I I avoid. I mean, that those are red flags, right? But then he got through the whole year like okay, and he. He the, the velo never t- ticked back up, which is unfortunate because basically he went from being a, a top five starter in baseball to just being really, really good. Um, but the thing is, it's not going to make him a bad pitcher because his fastball already sucked. So the velo being worse makes the fastball worse, but he has those elite secondaries to rely on with his uh, with his slider and his curve and his cutter. Oh, sorry, slider change and cutter where he just gets all kinds of swinging strikes so um, I I'm all about Bieber this year as like a I, I see some people trying to fade him and stuff you're gonna regret that um he's he's just so good and he's such a great whip guy like he's not gonna walk people so like he'll give up a couple of homers here and there but usually there's nobody on base so it's like you know solo homer here solo homer there okay whatever um I I'm still all about uh Shane Bieber this year at the at the price
0: I don't know what to make of him to be honest with you like the shoulder stuff really concerned me last year and I didn't go in and draft him and I thought too. You know, once yeah. we saw the low velocity and the lack of strikeouts I heard you know one of the funniest things I heard all of last year was him being referred to as fancy Zach Grinky, which is kind of what he was for a little <laughs> while last season he was like a fancier Zach Grinky with the low strikeout rate I mean we saw him go from strikeout rates that were you know, in the thirties and in that Cy Young year was over 40 down to 25. And he also trimmed the walk rate, but the, the velo, the shoulder concerns, like I can't believe he threw 200 innings. I, I really truly cannot believe he got there. I'm a little bit nervous, uh, especially because I just love the pitching pool this season. I personally don't want to be taking Bieber. If I'm taking him, it's probably because I've really missed out on a couple other guys and there's been like a big pitching run and I don't want to miss out in that. Like probably does he go into the fourth round right now, roughly in the fourth round.
1: Fourth, I fifth, think... yeah, and, and by main event time, it'll be it'll be higher. I think, for me, the thing is that the slider and the curve both get 22% plus swinging strike rates. Like, that is phenomenal. Um, yeah. There's very few pitchers in the majors who have multiple 20-plus percent swinging strike rate pitches. So um, he's never dependent on the fastball. It's just his it, – I mean, he throws it 34% of the time, 35% of the time, but, you know, he locates it well. He usually – you know it's going to get hit hard when he when he gets hit, but uh, with those secondaries, he's going to get a lot of swing and misses. But man, I just really hope the Velo can come back because if it does, he's going to be amazed. Like that makes that pick going from solid to phenomenal. So I here's hoping, but we'll see.
0: To drop your strikeout rate that much and still have a you know an arguably a better season. I know he was injured in twenty twenty one, but you know per yeah. start, he was he was very very good. You know, even as much as I say I want to stay away from him, he's never had a bad season. He he has never, you know, his rookie season wasn't great. You know, you kind of write that off as a rookie rookie learning curve. Three twenty eight, one sixty three, three one seven, and two eighty eight are his ERAs the last four seasons. So I yeah. I know twenty twenty was short. I know twenty twenty one he was hurt, but still he's never been bad really. So uh, there's a lot that you can fall back on there. And like you said, the fastball he doesn't rely on that velocity. He doesn't need to blow you away to dominate you. Still, so. I'm personally not probably going to be the one to draft him, but I don't have any real problem with drafting him. Tristan McKenzie, on the other hand. No, sorry. Go ahead, Dave.
1: Oh, no, sorry. I was just saying that's fair.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Tristan McKenzie, on the other hand, I'm personally not drafting. Uh, You know, we talked about him on Potapalooza the other day. I just don't trust the fact that, you know, his strikeout rate did get better in the second half. It has fallen the last three seasons, you know, went from 11.3 Ks per nine down to 10.2 down to below nine. And granted, not the biggest sample sizes in those first two seasons. But he's also outperforming his pitching indicators pretty substantially. Like last year was close to a run, roughly, you know, half a run to a run when you look at XERA, FIP and XFIP. I know that those metrics tend to favor guys who have massive strikeout numbers. So lowering your strikeout numbers are not going to help those metrics necessarily, but I'm personally not going to be drafting McKenzie this year at the price. And I think that's, that's what it comes down to is the draft price. Where, where are you at right now on Tristan though?
1: Um, I, you know, I think, I think there's kind of overreaction on both sides. Like, so t- t- when I see, you know, someone strike out walking rates, I I like to base, I get my base from what they do in the minors and, you know, generally if they're like an 11 strikeout per nine kind of guy in the minors, they might be, you know, um, 10 or nine and a half in the majors. And, uh, but usually the walk rates translate pretty well. So seeing the walk rate come down from 4.35 in 2021 uh, walks per nine down to two walks per nine last year, didn't shock me. I think the two is probably, you know, a little generous, but you know, he was like a two and a half walks per nine to 2.8 walks per nine guy in the minors. So I was never expecting him to be like a bad control guy. Like he was in 2021. Um, you know, I, yeah, you know, you're quoting the, the short season for the 11 points, uh, three K per nine. Yeah. I, I wasn't thinking that that was going to stick. You know, I think a lot of guys just went all out because it was a short season. They didn't have to save their arms for anything, but um i expect his k rate to come up from 8.94 k per nine. i I think it'll probably be nine to nine and a half um in that range i like him i don't love him i don't think uh i don't think he's like a super target for me but if he's because he kind of goes ahead of some other guys that i i like that go a little bit after him um i'm just gonna look real quick but like uh I know there's some guys that I that I took in my like Blake Snell goes yep. pick one fifteen and I would take him over Tristan who goes at eighty seven. I just think he's going too high is really the main thing, but um, he's so good with whip. That's the main like it's hard to find guys that you can rely on for a good whip because Snell as much as I like him, man, I he's he 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 can get blown up and and his whip can be real high. I don't have those same concerns with Tristan. I think Tristan's gonna be a a one to one ten, maybe one fifteen whip at, at the highest. So I do there's a lot of stuff I like about Tristan. I just think he's going too high.
0: That's what it comes down to for me. Like I don't hate him or anything. I mean, the projections this year aren't great. They think he's gonna be like probably a close to a four ERA with the with the strikeout numbers bouncing back up. Generally it's expected to go back up over nine to like nine point three, nine point four. I worry about the projections and i worry about the price like that's really truly if he was going 30 picks lower then i then i'd take him but the fact that he's going ahead of george kirby like i would definitely take george kirby robbie ray i think i'd be more comfortable with robbie ray considering the strikeout floor Uh, you know blake snell is definitely one clayton kershaw even though there's risk there There, there's risk everywhere really uh, in terms of pitchers, we never really know but mckenzie I just, I just, I I think it's the price. I think it's truly the price. It's not really the skills, even though the skills have worried me a little bit. It's mostly the strikeouts that have kind of worried me. But he did start to rebound. Uh, Joe Bond did remind me on the weekend that over the course of the season, his strikeout total did kind of rebound month by month. It did end up, I think, 28 or something in the last month of the season. So there, there's definitely room for him to grow there. Um, in terms of the rest of the rotation, I'm not very interested in any of these guys, particularly for fantasy. Quantrill, Savali, and Plezak are you of any interest in these guys? Because personally, for me, they're they're kind of stay aways at this point. Even though I trust the organization, they can tinker with different things. But as of right now, not a lot of interest in those guys.
1: Um, yeah, actually, so I will I will say I agree with you on Plesak, uh No interest. Um, Quantrill. He's actually not going as as early as I thought he'd go. Um, I thought I thought people would see his ERA and like jump him up. But he's actually going to, like pick three thirty, which. I mean, I I think it's fine because I think you're going to get volume out of him. I I like him. Um, I mean, I d- I don't really like Quantrill because I'm not buying that those skills are are legit completely. But he does have some some uh, sup- some hitting suppression skills that I do think his ERA won't be as bad as like the projections have him for. Like I don't think he's going to have a four five ERA or anything like that. But I also don't think he's going to have a three three eighty ERA either. So. Um, he's not a target for me, but I will tell you who is a target. And that's Aaron Savali, yeah, um, yeah. really has a lot of trouble staying healthy. But like you said, with, with pitchers, we never really know, you know, even the guys who we think are safe often end up not being safe. So when I, when I'm going to take a shot, I'm, I'm taking a lot, uh, of Aaron Savali because that curve is elite. Um, he does not have a great, good fastball, but, uh. He has enough in there like he he, he threw his curveball 27 and percent, which was 11 and a half percent more than the previous year. Um, and you really start to see him start to break out. He was striking out more guys last year and then he got hurt. Uh, you know he, he got his K right over 9k per nine. and that was a 97 inning sample. It's not exactly a small sample. Uh, elite control, so you know again, he's not gonna be walking a lot of guys. It's just can he, strike out enough guys and avoid getting hit because when he gets hit, he's going to get hit pretty hard, uh, kind of like Bieber. But, you know, he's if he had one other good secondary, if he can develop one other one, he can be really, really good. But for where he goes, he's absolutely a target for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair with Savali. I think you kind of talked me into him there just in that, that brief thing. And I'm just looking at his numbers here. Uh, I think that you know, like the strikeouts are not bad. Like over nine Ks per nine, considering the walk rate, you know, yeah. 24% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate. I think it's fairly reasonable. The ERA kind of scares you from last year. But if you look at the indicators, they're all quite a bit lower.
1: Yeah, look um, at the Sierra at 3.55, and he's a good whip guy too. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm more interested in him than I would be in the other guys for sure. Quantrill, I think, is a bit of a trap. Even though the price isn't that high, Uh he's yeah. actually going three, about 340. Savali's about 300. Um, I think that the 15 wins from last year, you know, they're not very sticky year to year wins. It's probably not going to be 15 again. He literally doesn't know how to strike out batters, which is unfortunate for fantasy. 16% K rate is not really going to play. Now, as like a deeper league kind of plug in, uh, you know, I think he's I think he's okay. um, but not so I, I try and at least target and then there's different things, right? There's different skill sets that you can target. Sometimes you're looking for a guy who has like low whip or whatever, like with McKenzie uh, or strikeouts or something, but he doesn't really have one skill necessarily that stands out to me. So, so much, the walk rate's pretty good at 6%. It's, it's very good at 6%, but there's nothing that, that makes me jump and want to really necessarily go and draft him. I'm totally with you on please act. No interest in please act. So volley, I, I do have a little bit more interest in, but Quantrill, I just, I just can't get behind. I want to, uh, I just can't really do it. Even though the price is reasonable, uh, I just don't think I'm going to be the one to draft. I
1: think them. he's, uh, I think he's a good, he's a decent pick in DCs where you're just looking for volume uh, when you're just wanting to have guys you can throw in. I don't, I'm not interested in him at all in redraft because I, I he's the kind of guy who you, you're going to be able to pick up and stream. I think, like, I think you can yeah. do better. takes, takes some higher shot, like some shots at some more talented guys who are more volatile and hope that they they end up sticking because those are going to be actually worthwhile and guys you could end up keeping whereas a guy like Quantrill, you know you're he's the kind of he's waiver wire fodder essentially so um i will also say i doubt anybody's still doing dcs but if you are uh, a couple names i really like i think tanner bibby is going to be the next guy who comes up and i i really like him he's um he, he throws hard. He throws, like, 97, He but he's got, like, elite control. Um, not a super high strikeout rate in the minors, like 9K per nine kind of guy, but uh, he's, he's that kind of Cleveland guy that they can develop. Like, he's that same, you know, high control, you know, guy who can get – I think that they can develop him further to get more strikeouts. And with uh, Cody Morris being hurt now, I loved Cody Morris, but – now I don't know when he's going to be back. So I think the Bibby's the next guy to come up. And another guy, Joey Cantillo, who raised his velocity from 89 miles per hour when they got him, he's now throwing like sitting 95 and he can hit like, like 97. So to like raise your velocity that much, yeah, pretty crazy. And he's on their 40-man too. They had to protect him from the Rule 5. So, um, I, you know, I think he's uh, he's he's going to be – we might see him at some point, too, because I don't know how much more patience they're going to have with Um, Dude just does dumb shit every year. So, personally, I was hoping that we would trade him in the offseason, but I don't think anybody wants him. So, um, at some point, he can lose his job. You know, we talked about Bieber and Savali's injury risk. So, I think we could see a couple of these guys up this year. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, Cleveland, that's incredible, going from 89 to sitting 95. How long Was that within a year, or how long did that take? Uh, I want to say...
1: Maybe two years. I, I can't remember, and I don't know what the there, there's articles out there about it. But if unless you're in Cleveland, you probably you know and not like looking into all this stuff like a freak yeah, like I yeah. do, but um, <laughs> you probably don't know about it. But yeah, so like they they got him in the uh, I want to say it was the Clevenger deal. It was a deal with San Diego. I know that. So there was the, I think it was the one that they got Quantrell in as well. It was like Quantrell, and they got uh yeah a couple other areas. Uh, Gabriel Arias, who's on the bench for the Guardians right now, and then Cantillo. And uh, yeah, like Cantillo was a guy that they had interest in in general. Like he was a, he just knew how to pitch well. But then when he got his velocity way up, they're like, oh, this guy has some ceiling to him now, too. So um, he's, he's interesting.
0: I think Cleveland, I mean, they're on a very short list of the teams that develop pitching better than anybody else in baseball. I think San Francisco is there. San Dodger. Francisco, I think their specialty is more like bringing in. You know, guys who are middle aged and they tinker with a couple things, they add a pitch or they take away a pitch. And then you get Carlos Rodons and Kevin (laughs) Gosmans and you get Woods and Cobbs and those those kind of guys. I'm missing a couple because there's just so many examples. But Cleveland is really, I think, probably the best team at actually just developing pitchers from scratch in all of baseball. In terms of the bullpen, a lot of the team previews that we've done so far. There's more of a question, Mark, as to who was gonna be the closer. With Cleveland, there is no such argument, even though you got Karen Chak, who's very good behind him, but Emmanuel Clause, cut and dry here as the closer. Yep. Do you have any worry at all about Clause? Does anything concern you? I can't looking through his grass pages, I can't find much that does concern me, but is there anything there that we should be keeping an eye on for him?
1: No, there's absolutely <laughs> zero concerns with him. I mean, I it's it's rare that I'll say that about a closer. There's like two or three guys. So yeah, no, he's one of them, thankfully.
0: He's like him and Diaz are the new hater and Hendricks essentially. Uh, I know his strikeouts are not maybe as high as you would want. He's still striking out more than nine batters per nine innings, um, but I mean that's probably <laughs> the only small gripe you can make about him. He is ridiculously good. Karenchak yeah. I think is is very good as well. Do you think there's any room for Karenchak to be kind of a, a fantasy a fantasy option? You know, in the main of like Andres Munoz from last year or like a Jason Adams, somebody who just gets you a lot of strikeouts and maybe they can help you out with some – I mean, the ratios are pretty good. Uh, last year, good whip, good ERA numbers. Uh, do you think there's any interest in, in having him on a standard fantasy team?
1: Yeah, I mean, there could be. I The thing with him is he's kind of frustrating because he has like he has closer stuff. Like, this guy can close. The problem is he's so inconsistent. Like, he'll have times where he is untouchable. I mean, like – his stuff moves more than class a he doesn't throw a hundred but i mean he throws really hard um and i mean he can be that guy but he just there's other times where he just loses feel he'll lose feel for his uh i forget it's a slider or whatever it is and then other times he'll lose he'll lose can um feel for his fastball and it's like man if this guy can just have some consistency to him he can be that kind of guy um and yeah, I think he's worth taking a shot on if you're looking for just like, I don't know what kind of league you're in a saves holds kind of league where, you know, guys who are non-closers can have value too. Um, and, but I do think that Trevor Stephan is probably their most trusted after class A right now. Um, Karen Shack has more of the closer stuff, but Stephan is the guy that they, that they trust when they need to uh, get an out because Karen can lose control at any time. And, and like if you bring him into a bad situation, he might he might end up striking them out or he might end up walking the bases loaded. So uh yeah, you gotta be a little cautious with Karen Shack. And but uh, he he definitely has that potential.
0: I found a lot of value last year. I actually won my home league through using more of like a relief pitcher strategy. I had Andres Munoz, I had Jason Adam, and you know they didn't get a lot of saves from me, but they kept the ratios down. They gave me a lot of strikeouts week in and week out. Now they don't have walk rates that look like Karen Chacks, which is thirteen percent last year. He's still striking out forty percent of batters. There's definitely, definitely um, some interest there for sure, and he definitely does have closer stuff. But with Class A ahead of him if you're in a saves and holds league for sure, but that home league I'm talking about was just a straight up saves league. And they're still, you know, not necessarily Karen Jack, but there could be some relievers out there. And Karen Jack is on a short list of guys who could still have value without necessarily giving you big saves numbers. He had three last year, you know, he's probably going to end up with two or three this year, but that strikeout number, you know, a K per nine last year was over 14. So, that's what i'm looking at that's what i'm hoping for i'm not hoping for really anything in particular with him just get the walks down if, if you can at all i mean that's really the main concern with karen jack but is there anything else that we've missed here dave in terms of going over the guardians any prospects or anything you know anything that people might want to be uh, keeping in mind as they go to draft
1: no i think we covered uh because you you even brought up will brennan um i was gonna bring up will benson but then we ended up trading him to uh cincinnati i do think he's interesting um if you're if you're doing dcs uh because he really cut down on his k rate where you know he's a former first round pick he's got immense power phenomenal speed uh but they hit dude swings and misses like joey gallo but last year he cut his k rate way down so uh you know for the reds he's he's a little bit of an interesting guy but uh in terms of prospects for for the guardians like hitting prospects, you know, obviously Bo Naylor is the big one, but uh, yeah. outside of that, I don't think there's anybody that I, you know, Brian Rocchio is interesting, but I don't know if if he's he'd be in their plans in any way shape or form for this year. Tyler Freeman's a little bit interesting for DC's because he uh he was he did uh he put on a lot of muscle in the offseason. So, I you know, he's he's an elite contact guy too. Like he doesn't strike out. He he's a high average guy with some speed. So, if he can add a little power to that, He might be someone who comes into play at some point, you know, like a last round pick kind of in a DC kind of thing. But uh, other than that, I I think that's pretty much it. You know, we're uh, the Guardians are an organization with a piece of shit, cheap owner, and the best (laughs) front office in baseball, in my opinion. So, uh, like, they do so much with so little. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said there, they don't spend money, and everybody knows they don't spend money, but still. This team won the division last year. They look, you know, they had a Jose Ramirez, who was an MVP candidate year in and year out. Shane Beavers just a couple of years removed from Asai Young. Classe is arguably the best closer in baseball. You know, very young lineup that is still got several years together to to kind of do something. I don't know if they're necessarily gonna be a World Series team, but the oldest player in the lineup is Mike Zanino at thirty one and I don't think he's going to be there for that long.
1: Their two oldest players are the guys that they added this offseason, and Josh Bell and Mike Zanino, they're the youngest lineup in baseball last year by, like, a lot, I think. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah, so there's
0: there's definitely a lot of hope for the future. Uh, I'm excited for this team. Even though I don't cheer for them, I don't have any rooting interest at all in Cleveland, uh, I'm excited, certainly excited to draft a couple of them, and I'm excited about my Andres Jimenez share. Uh, Hopefully that turns out okay. But, Dave, uh, thank you so much for joining me here today, man. I really appreciate you taking the time
1: absolutely joe thank you so much for having me uh it was a pleasure and anytime you need a guest i'm always here buddy
0: that's awesome man i really appreciate it you want to just let everybody know once more where they can find you and everything you got going on
1: yeah that's at RunDMCD on twitter and uh yeah you can find me on friends with benefits every uh every monday night at 10 p.m and uh you know if you're if you're interested In playing in earth and if you don't know what earth is please get in touch with me and find out or ask joe it's it's phenomenal um it's all about meeting people in your community we uh we donate to a charity um so glarf won last year so we're donating to the lost boys in chicago and i'm really excited to uh we're bringing the kids in and we're gonna throw a pizza party we're gonna write we've got like that big comical check kind of thing you know i want to get some pictures with that and everything i'm really looking forward to that and uh we've got really cool local trophies in every in every regional league so like you know uh barf has the barf bucket we've got the great lakes Belt in uh in glarf so um i don't know what you guys have actually i haven't heard from from ryan what your trophy was i don't know if he's officially made one yet or not or ordered no one okay is that, <laughs> there
0: an overall component to to the earth leagues there is
1: yeah yeah, yeah. the overall winner gets uh, a title belt so actually i've got mine from glarf right here so this this is the one that I designed for Glarf.
0: But in terms of like all the leagues together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then so the one the one that's uh that Ryan Venancia won last year, he should actually have gotten today. So I'll have them um so I'm gonna have him put that's pictures probably. of it online. But it's the same type of belt, but it's just got it's got uh the earth logo in the middle, and then the the side logos are the logo of the winning player. And then the other logo is the logo of the winning league, which would be Glarf this year. So, and then he's turf. So he has the turf logo as one of them. So that's um, really cool. Yeah. So I really, I'm really excited to see if he got it and if he likes it and all that stuff. So I'll have to talk to him and, and find out. But uh, yeah, I just, there's so much about this that I love. I, just, I love giving back with the, the charity aspect of it. And um, I love getting together live. Like it's all about meeting the people in your region. And getting together, getting all 15 of you, theoretically, hopefully together live. But even if one or two are drafting remotely, that's okay. But, you know, and just meeting each other and hanging out and, and making friends.
0: I think we've got 13 who are going to be there live. That's great. Uh, I think 12 or 13 anyway, which is, you know, about as much as you can hope for getting everybody together from different parts uh, on one day. It'd be nice if be could get, get everybody there. But we got somebody drafting from other side of the country. And that's uh, that's Woody. I don't know. You've been down to Arizona. You might be- oh, I,
1: <laughs> I know. I know Woody. Woody's like the greatest guy ever. Uh, he he comes the first pitch Arizona with two suitcases, yeah. no clothes. He's got one suitcase full of Canadian snacks and one suitcase full of Canadian beers. And he'll <laughs> just keep feeding you. Like when I was there, he would literally keep going back to his room and he'd be like, Dave, you got to try this. And he'd go grab another beer or another snack and bring him out. I'm like, oh, my God, Woody, you're too much, man. And he sent me, like, a big box full of Canadian snacks. Like, I mean, just the nicest guy ever. Uh, and I know he he told me he lives in, like, the middle of nowhere because <laughs> yeah. he was concerned about that. And I was like, dude, just join. It's okay. If you have to draft remotely, we understand. But if you can make it, that would be great. Um, but, yeah, just uh, just a wonderful guy.
0: Yeah, it was great meeting him in Arizona. He did have the patented uh, suitcase full of candy this year as well. It was a lot of fun. I'm used to the I'm used to the Canadian sweets, but it was still fun to to meet him and to hang out with everybody and see their excitement at these Canadian candies that are so commonplace at Canadian stores and everything else around here. But he knows how to make the people happy. Um, he does. But uh, Dave, once again, thank you so much for joining us here. Uh, it was a great Absolutely. time. You guys should definitely be checking out everything that Dave has going on. Check him out on Twitter. Check out Friends with Fancy Benefits because it is really a great podcast. And like Dave mentioned a minute ago, doing a lot of charitable stuff. Potapalooza just finished. Earth is going to donate the winning – or not the winnings, but the the league fees to different charities. So, uh, you know, great people, great causes, and great content. So definitely go check out Friends with Fancy Benefits and check out all of Dave's work. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at joeorico 99 more importantly, though, go check out the company page at Ethos BB. That's where all our new articles and podcasts get linked out. We had a couple of articles go out today about decision matrix making, uh, how to choose between two players who are very similar ADP, similar style players. Uh, that was a two-parter. We also have a bust article that went live. There's a ton of stuff. You guys can find it all at SportsEthos.com. But until tomorrow, guys, I hope you have a great night and a safe evening. But take care and cheers.